Hello. Yeah. Uh, and welcome to Infinite Cast, a podcast, and a happy U.S. Open season to you all. Oh, it's open season. It's on open season. Tennis On balls. tennis, yes. We're hitting them everywhere. Uh, Molly has set a goal. Uh, oh, and also happy one year anniversary to the cast. Yeah, which we totally, totally missed because uh, time is not real. Last week uh, was the 52nd week that we have been doing this podcast, which is commonly known as a year. Yeah. In our unsubsidized time. And on our, our unsubsidized as time. As yet unsubsidized. Uh, we... Did not quite realize because A, we weren't thinking about it, and B, we skipped one week in there, so we only put out our 51st episode. Yeah. Um, but Molly counted it up. We're on page 383 of... A, th- uh, a little over a thousand. Of a little over a thousand. So we're actually... And we're a third of the way through some long footnotes. Yes. Or endnotes, of course. So we are on track for this to be about a three-year project. Great. Uh, but who would have thought we would have kept it up for a year? Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people out there, if when they first saw us doing this, will be like, well, this will be a funny joke they do for like, th- this will be one of those uh, pod, what is it? Pod fail? Pod. Uh, pod fades. Pod fades of like starting for six episodes and then being like, uh, you know what? It's not worth it. This is way too long. Well, guess what, bitch? We, we can we do. Can't, we, we hung in there. We can do this uh, as long as you can. Yeah. Uh, it helps when you're married and also for the majority of the time literally can't leave the same room. It's and, like, what the fuck else are you going to do? Yeah. And, you know, we're not we're not busy in the morning on the weekends. Shit, fuck Van Molly. Oh, no. What happened? I, I accidentally poured some coffee on the couch. <laughs> God. Oh, it's fine. This couch is. Well, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm thinking about whether I want to talk about. Tennis or the couch? the the couch has uh, gone through a lot. We don't have to worry about that. But uh, um, yeah, no, I'm a I'm a stubborn person, and I if something is finishable, then I I must finish it, which is why I read this book in college to begin with. But uh, there's there's a certain when I was doing a little bit of I did a little bit of research at the beginning of starting this podcast just to make sure we weren't completely stepping on someone else's toes. I don't like to do the exact same thing as anyone else. So I looked for Infinite Jess podcasts uh, and there was uh, I Hate Infinite Jess, which we were invited on, which I would definitely recommend people listening to if they've already read the book and want to hear some analysis. But uh, there was a podcast which I won't name. I guess you could probably find it if you, like me, are a Scorpio and you find uh, spiteful uh, things kind of funny. There's a, a podcast that it was the idea was it was going to be women talking about infinite jest because uh, you know like la- ladies who who are we what do we want um, the big toxic bro book ta- we're tackling it we're 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 getting into it and they went so far as to reserve a URL they did at least one interview I believe about their intentions to do this podcast they even did a photo shoot on a tennis court wearing tennis clothes sneering and holding the book and there has not been a single episode of the podcast. And I think that that is fine. People can do whatever they want, but uh, don't do, I, maybe it's just me. I'm like, don't do a photo shoot before you at least record an episode. Yes, uh, I agree. Sometimes opening things with a fancy photo shoot is like a little bit, uh, uh, it's a little uh, bit cringe. You know what I mean? uh, Yes. Again, not to name names, but both, uh, uh, but most podcasts I know that were announced with a fancy uh, professional photo shoot. Uh, before the first episode had launched, uh, have ended in uh, failure and scandal. Yeah, it's it's or a, have devolved into scandal. I would say. I just think just just do just uh, Nike, just do it, do the work. 
Sorry, hopefully that wasn't that vamping wasn't too long and boring, and people are still hanging in yeah, there. Yeah, sorry, I had to take care of my coffee bungle. Yeah, we had to. You know, this is the the um, risks of podcasting is you are you've got a lot of beverages and they will <laughs> <Yes>. spill. <laughs> you have to have at least three: your hydration, your upper, and your downer. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, let's get into it. Let's we'll talk more about it. the open at the end. Now that we've filled up the beginning, infinite jest onto the book. Uh, here. So we're, we're in the uh, Johnny Gentle Yes, we're talking show. more about Johnny Gentle. Hear bobs and smiles from both uh, wealthily green mask puppets and homeless puppets in rags and mismatched shoes with used surgical masks, all made by ETA's fourth and fifth grade crafts class under the supervision of Ms. Heath, Ms. Heath of matchsticks and popsicle stick shards and pool table felt with sequins for eyes and painted fingernail pairings for <laughs> smiles slash frowns under their masks. Ew. The Johnny Gentle chief executive who pounds a rubber-gloved fist on the podium so hard it knocks the seal askew and declares that, damn it, there just must be some people besides each other of us to blame, to unite in opposition to. <laughs> and he promises to eat light and sleep very little until he finds them in the Ukraine or the Teutons or the Wacko Latins or pausing with that one arm up and head down in the climactic Vegas way closer to right below our nose. He'll, he swears he'll find us some cohesion-renewing other and then make some tough choices. Alludes to a whole new North America for a crazy post-millennial world. First U.S. president ever to use boss as an adjective. His throwing his surgical gloves into the miniature inaugural crowd as souvenirs is Mario's own touch. <laughs> and Mario and Condense's idea of representing President Gentle's cabinet as made up of mostly tall, coiffured black girl puppets in shiny, imbricate sequin dresses is also, of course, historically inaccurate, though the honorary inclusion in that cabinet's second year of the Presidente of Mexico and the PM of Canada is both factual and, of course, seminal. Uh, and this is a uh, we, we're going to start getting into some dialogue. Uh, President Presmex and PM can in unison and green mask muffled. It is tremendously flattering to be invited to sit on the cabinet of the leadership of our beloved neighbor to the choose one. <laughs> Gentle. Thanks, boys. You have gorgeous souls. <laughs> it's not the cartridge's strongest scene, heavy on stock phrases and two handed handshakes. But the historical fact that the Presidente of Mexico and PM of Canada are honorarily appointed by President Gentle to be secretaries of Mexico and Canada, respectively, as if the neighbors had already become sort of post-millennial American protectorates, is foreshadowed as ominous by a wavered D minor on the soundtrack's organ, Mrs. Clark's Wurlitzer at home, but the two leaders' respective dusky and Gallic expressions seem unperturbed <laughs> under their green masks as more stock phrases are invoked. I'm kind of imagining this thing as a series of like, you know, puppet. It is a puppet show. So like you have the stage, you have mm -hmm. the puppets behind it. And then a series of like cutaway inserts of actual human hands, like shaking like, yeah, from yeah, a way yeah. close up to like imply that they have hands. And yes. honestly, it's, it's, I, I can get why it's kind of effective in a camp way. Sort of it's like a, a mighty boosh kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. It's or a, a, a Monty Python. Yes. I'm getting the, the outsider art cu uh, cult classic uh, vibe yeah. of, of Mario's work here. Yeah. But because budget and broom closet constraints make artful transitions between scenes impractical, Mario has opted for the interscenic on track device of having Johnny Gentle, famous crooner, doing some of his repertoire's bouncier numbers, with the cabinet members undulating and harmonizing Motownishly behind him, <laughs> and other puppets bouncing in tempo on and off stage as the script requires. 
Audience-wise, most of the ETAs under 12, Cortex's spangling with once-a-year sweets, have by now emigrated hyperactively under the long tables' tablecloths and met up on the dining hall floor below and begun navigating on hands and knees the special children's second world of shins and chair legs and tile that exists under long tablecloths, making various sorts of puerile trouble. Investigations from last year's I-Day are still in progress, W slash R slash T, which kid or kids tied Aubrey Delin's shoelaces together and crazy glued Mary Esther Thode's left buttock to the seat of her chair. But everyone glycemically mature enough to sit still and watch the cartridge is having a rousing good time, eating chocolate cannolis and 26 layer baklava and ready whip by itself if they want and homemade raisinets and little cream filled caramel things and occasionally heckling or cheering ironically every so often throwing sweets that stick to the screen, giving the smooth, sterile, gentle, a sort of carbuncular look that everyone approves. There is much cracking wise and baritone mimicry of a president roundly disliked for over two terms now. <laughs> Only John Wayne and a handful of other Canadian students sit unhatted, chewing stolidly, faces blurred and distant. This American penchant for absolution via irony is foreign to them. Mm. The Canadian boys remember only hard facts and the glass-walled great convexity whose southern array of ask-me effectuators blow the tidy U.S.'s northern oxides north toward home, and they feel with special poignancy on 11-8 the implications of their being down here south of the border, training in the land of their enemy ally, and the less gifted among them wonder whether they'll ever get to go home again after graduation if a pro career or scholarship doesn't pan out. Wayne has a cloth hanky and keeps wiping his nose. Mario's openly jejune version of his late father's take on the rise of Onan and U.S. experialism unfolds in little diffracted bits of real news and fake news and privately <laughs> conceived dialogue between the architects and hard choice makers of a new millennial era. Gentle. Another piece of pre-tasted cobbler, JJJC, PM Canada. Couldn't. Stuffed. Having trouble breathing. I would, say, I would not say no to another beer, however gentle dot 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 pm of canada dot 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 gentle so we're simpatico on the gradual and subtle but inexorable disarmament and dissolution of nato as a system of mutual defense agreements <laughs> pm of canada less muffled than last seen because his surgical mask gets to have a prandial hole <laughs> we are side by side and behind you on this thing let the EEC pay for their own defendings, henceforth I say. Let them foot some defensive budgets and then try to subsidize their farmers into undercutting NAFTA. Let them eat butter and guns for their own for once in a change, hey? <laughs> Gentle. You said more than a mouthful right there, JJ. I can't remember what JJJC stands for, but it's whoever the, uh, the Canada guy is. Jean-Jean-Claude. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I don't remember either. Yeah. Now maybe we can all direct some cool-headed attention to our own intrafraternal affairs, our own internal quality of life, refocusing priorities back to this crazy continent we call home. Am I being Doug? PM of Canada. John, I am kilometers ahead of you. I happen to have my term in office at a glance book right with me here. Now that the big frappeurs are being put dune, we are wondering what is the date I can be penciling in for the removals of NATO IB ICBM frappeurs from Manitoba. Gentle. Put that pencil away, you good-looking Canadian. I've got more long, shiny trailer rigs full of large men with very short haircuts and white suits than you can shake a maple leaf at heading for your silos right this very. <laughs> Those complete totalities of Can Canada's strategic capacity will be out of your hair too sweet. 
PM Canada. John, let me be the first world leader to call you a statesman. (laughs) (laughs) Gentle. We North Americans have to stick together, JJJC, especially now, no? Am I off base? We're interdependent. We're cheek to jowl. (laughs) PM of Canada. It is a smaller world today. Gentle. And an even smaller continent. (laughs) This segues into an entr'acte with continent squeezed in for world in It's a Small World After All, (laughs) which in Jammint doesn't do the rhythm section of doo-wopping cabinet girls a bit of good, but does usher in the start of a whole new era. Big big paragraph break. Though can any guru be held to a standard of like 100% exception from the human pains of stunted desire? No, not 100%, regardless of level of transcendence or diet. Lyle, down in the dark Interdependence Day weight room, sometimes recalls an ETA player from several years back whose first name was Marlon and whose last name Lyle never, to his knowledge, learned. Uh, uh, and note 152, a lightless and eye-averted late-night weight room being not exactly a last-name type of place. <laughs> uh, we know this is Marlon Bain, though. Uh, the thing about this Marlon was that he was always wet. Arms purling, T-shirt darkly veed, face and forehead ever gleaming. Oren's Academy doubles partner. It had a lemony, low-cal taste, the boy's omni-wetness. It wasn't exactly sweat because you could lick off the forehead and more beads instantly replaced what you'd taken. None of sweat's real, frustratingly gradual accretion. The kid was always in the shower, always doing his best to stay clean. There were powders and pills and electrical appliques. And still this marlin dripped and shone. The kid wrote accomplished juvenile verses about the dry, clean boy inside, (laughs) struggling to break the soggy surface. He shared extensively with Lyle. He confessed to Lyle one night in the quiet weight room that he'd gone in for high-level athletics mostly to have an excuse of some sort for being as wet as he was. (laughs) It always looked like Marlon had been rained on. Bless you. But it wasn't rain. Bless you. Thank you. It's like Marlon hadn't been dry since the womb. It's like he leaked. It had been a tormenting, but also in certain ways, halcyon few years in the past, a tormentingly unspecific hope in the air. Lyle had told this boy everything he had to tell. It's raining tonight, though. As so often happens in autumn below the great concavity, PM snow has given way to rain. Outside the weight room's high windows, a mean wind sweeps curtains of rain this way and that, and the windows shudder and drool. The sky is a mess. Thunder and lightning happen at the same time. The copper beach outside creaks and groans. Lightning claws the sky, briefly illuminating Lyle, seated lotus in spandex on the towel dispenser, leaning forward to accept what is offered in the dark weight room. <laughs> the idle resistance machines look insectile in the lightning's brief light. This does a good uh, job of setting up a horror movie-like yeah. scene. Yeah. The answer to some of the newer kids' complaints about what on earth Lyle can be doing down there at night in a locked, empty weight room is that the nighttime weight room is rarely empty. The PM custodians Kenkel and Brandt do lock it up, but the door can be dickied by even the clumsiest insertion of an ETA meal card between latch and jam. The kitchen crew always wonders why so many meal cards' edges always looked ravaged. Though the idle machines are scary and the room smells somehow worse in the dark, they come most at night, the ETAs who are on to Lyle. They hit the saunas out by the cement stairs until they've got enough incentive on their skin. Then they lurk, pearled and shiny, in towels, by the weight room door, waiting to enter one by one, sometimes several ETAs dripping in towels, not speaking, some pretending to have other business down there, lurking in the eye-averted attitudes of, like, patients in the waiting room of an impotence clinic or shrink. They have to be real quiet and the lights stay off. 
It's like the administration will turn a blind eye as long as you make it plausible to do so. From the dining hall, whose east wall of windows faces Comad, you can hear very muffled laughter and kibitzing and the occasional scream from Mario's interdependent puppet thing. A quiet, slow, small stream of yellow slickered, wet shoed migrations back and forth between West House and the weight room. People know the slow parts, the times to duck out and go very briefly down to Lyle to confer. They dicky the lock and go in one by one in towels, proper beaded flesh, confront the sorts of issues reserved for nighttime's garutical tete-a-tete, whispers made echoless by rubberized floors and much damp laundry. Sometimes Lyle will listen and shrug and smile and say, the world is very old, or some <laughs> such general remark, and decline to say much else. But it's the way he listens somehow that keeps the saunas full. Lightning claws the eastern sky, and it's neat in the weight room's dark, because Lyle is in a slightly different position and forward angle each time he's illuminated through the window up over the grip-slash-wrist-slash-forearm machines to his left. So it looks like there are different Lyles at different fulgurant moments. Lamont Chu, glabrous and high gloss in a white towel and wristwatch, haltingly confesses glabrous. to glabrous, haltingly confesses to an increasingly crippling obsession with tennis fame. He wants to get in the show so bad it feels like it's eating him alive. To have his picture in shiny magazines, to be a wunderkind, to have guys in blue I slash SPN blazers describe his every on court move and mood in hushed broadcast cliches. To have little patches with products names sewn onto his clothes. To be soft profiled. To get compared to M. Chang, lately expired. To get called the next great yellow U.S. hope. <laughs> Let's not even talk about video magazines or the grid. He confesses it to Lyle. He wants the hype. He wants it. Sometimes he'll pretend a glowing up-at-net action shots he's clipping out of a shiny magazine is of him, Lamont Chu. But then he finds he can't eat or sleep or sometimes even pee. So horribly does he envy the adults in the show who get to have up-at-net action shots of themselves in magazines. Sometimes, he says, lately he won't take risks in tournament matches, even when risks are okay or even called for, because he finds he's too scared of losing and hurting his chances for the show and hype and fame down the road. A couple times this year, the cold, clenched fear of losing has itself made him lose, he believes. He's starting to fear that rabid ambition has more than one blade, maybe. He's ashamed of his secret hunger for hype in an academy that regards hype and the seduction of hype as the great Mephistophelian fall. Is that right? Mephistophelian fall, pitfall and hazard of talent. (laughs) A lot of these are his own terms. (laughs) Not how I would have adjectivified. Yeah. (laughs) Mephistophelian. 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 It's P-H-E-L-A-N. Felon. Okay. Whatever. Uh, I feel like that might be a fake word. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Lots of these are. He feels himself in a dark world inside, ashamed, lost, locked in. Lamont Chu is 11 and hits with two hands <laughs> off both sides. He doesn't mention the eschaton or having been punched in the stomach. The obsession with future tense fame makes all else pale. His wrists are so thin he wears his watch halfway up his forearm, which <laughs> looks sort of gladiatorial. Gladiatorial. Lyle has a way of sucking on the insides of his cheeks as he listens. Plates of old ridged muscle emerge and subside as he shifts his weight slightly on the raised towel dispenser. The dispenser's at about shoulder height for someone like Chu. Like all good listeners, he has a way of attending that is at once intense and assuasive. The supplicant feels both nakedly revealed and sheltered somehow from all possible judgment. It's like he's working as hard as you. You, both of you, feel briefly unalone. 
Lyle will suck in first one side's cheek and then the other. You burn to have your photograph in a magazine. I'm afraid so. Why again exactly now? I guess to be felt about as I feel about those players with those pictures and magazines. Why? Why? I guess to give my life some sort of meaning, Lyle. And how would this do this again? Lyle, I don't know. I do not know. It just does. Would. Why else would I burn like this? Clip secret pictures. Not take risks. Not sleep or pee. You feel these men with their photographs and magazines care deeply about having their photographs and magazines derive intense meaning. I do. They must. I would. Else why would I burn like this to feel as they feel? The meaning they feel, you mean, from the fame. Lyle, don't they? Lyle sucks his cheeks. It's not like he's condescending or stringing you along. He's thinking as hard as you. It's like he's you in the top of a clean pond. It's part of the attention. One side of his cheeks almost caves in, thinking. Lamont, perhaps they did it first. The first photograph, the first magazine, the gratified surge, the seeing themselves as others see them, the hagiography of image, perhaps. Perhaps the first time. Enjoyment. After that, do you trust me? Trust me. They do not feel what you burn for. After the first surge, they care only that their photographs seem awkward or unflattering or untrue, or that their privacy, this thing you burn to escape, what they call their privacy is being violated. Something changes. After the first photograph has been in a magazine, the famous men do not enjoy their photographs in magazines so much as they fear that their photographs will cease to appear in magazines. Mm. They are trapped, just as you are. Is this supposed to be good news? This is awful news. <laughs> Lamont, are you willing to listen to a remark about what is true? Okie dokie. <laughs> the truth will set you free, but not until it is finished with you. Maybe I ought to be getting back. Lamont, the world is very old. You have been snared by something <laughs> untrue. You are deluded, but this is good news. You have been snared by the delusion that envy has a reciprocal. You assume that there is a flip side to your painful envy of Michael Chang, namely Michael Chang's enjoyable feeling of being envied by Lamont Chu. No such animal. Animal? You burn with hunger for food that does not exist. This is good news? <laughs> it is the truth. To be envied, admired is not a feeling, nor is fame a feeling. There are feelings associated with fame, but few of them are any more enjoyable than the feelings associated with envy of fame. The burning doesn't go away. What fire dies when you feed it? It is not fame itself they wish to deny you here. Trust them. There is much fear in fame. Terrible and heavy fear to be pu pulled and held. So carried. Lyle is like tennis Yoda. Yeah, absolutely. Perhaps they only want to keep it off you until you weigh enough to pull it toward yourself. What I sound much fear I sense in you, <laughs> Would I sound ungrateful if I said this doesn't make me feel very much better at all? Lamont, the truth is that the world is incredibly, incredibly, unbelievably old. You suffer with the stunted desire caused by one of its oldest lies. Do not believe the photograph. Fame <laughs> is not... Do not believe this man and do not believe his lies. <laughs> Fame is not the exit from any cage. So I'm stuck in the cage from either side. Fame or tortured envy of fame. There's no way out. You might consider how escape from a cage must surely require foremost awareness of the fact of the cage. And I believe I see a drop on your temple right there, <laughs> etc. The thunders died down to a mutter and the windows spatters gone random and post-storm sad. An ETA female, female students wear two different towels coming in, 
a breastless senior who can barely perspire at all, is troubled whenever she has lunch with her fiancé by the persistent whine of a mosquito that she can't see and no one else can hear. Summer and winter, indoors or al fresco, but only at lunch and only with her fiancé. Remarks or advice are not always the point. Sometimes suffering's point is almost crying out in a high-pitched whine to be heard. As fitness gurus go, Lyle is results-oriented and can-do. Shakes us to endnote 153. Sometimes it's as straightforward as directing someone to give her fiancé the roundhouse forehand slap she's been secretly aching to give him ever since he'd once teased her about putting some band-aids on those insect bites on her chest. Ah. Flipping. Hmm. Interesting. Back to the text. Ten-year-old Kent Blot, whose parents are Seventh-day Adventists, isn't yet old enough to masturbate, but he hears quite a lot about it, not surprisingly, from his adolescent peers in rather lush detail, masturbation, and is worried about what sorts of homemade-type, potentially wicked and soul-sapping pornographic cartridges will run through his psychic projector as he masturbates when he eventually can masturbate, (laughs) and worries about whether different sorts of fantasy scenes and combinations herald different sorts of psychic dysfunction or turpitude and wants to get a good jump on worrying about it. (laughs) The sounds of the dining hall's gala are more frequent and convulsive without the sound of rain. Lyle tells Blot not to let the weight he would pull to himself exceed his own personal weight. Mm -hmm. Up to the left, the storm's clouds stragglers run like ink and water between the window and the risen moon. Mario and Condenza's presidential puppet is just about to inaugurate subsidized time. 16 B's Anton Doucette's been driven to Lyle, he says, by an increasingly self-consciousness, increasing self-consciousness about the big, round, dark, raised mole on his upper, upper lip, just under his left nostril. It's only a mole, but looks pretty dire, nasally. People (laughs) People who first meet him are always pulling him off to the side and handing him a Kleenex. Doucette lately wishes either the mole were gone or he were gone. Even if people don't stare at it, the mole, it's like they're intentionally not staring at it. He's the mole guy from Austin Powers 3. Moly Doucette pounds himself in the chest and thighs, supposedly in frustration. He just cannot come to terms with how it must look. It's getting worse as puberty intensifies, the anxiety. Then in a vicious cycle, the anxiety prompts the nervous tick on his face's right side. He's starting to suspect that some upperclassmen are referring to him behind his back as Anton Booger Doucette. (laughs) it's like he's frozen on this anxiety unable to move on to more advanced anxieties he can't see any way past this the pounding is more a sign of intense unconscious self-hatred though lyle knows doucette grimaces and says he's starting to want to play tennis with his hand over his nose and upper lip but he has a two-handed backhand and it's too late to switch and there's no way they're going to let him switch to one hand just for aesthetic reasons Lyle sends Anton Doucette packing off with directions to come on back with Mario and Condenza the minute the I-Day Gala lets out. Mario gets a fair number of aesthetic self-consciousness referrals from Lyle. No type or rank of guru is above delegating. It's like a law. (laughs) Doucette says it's like he's stuck. It's becoming all he thinks about. This is on his way out. His back's additional moles form no outline or shape. Lyle pops the tab to a CFDC uh, Mario tends to bring down most evenings around supper time. Ah, caffeine-free Diet Coke. Caffeine-free Diet Coke, okay. Mm-hmm. In between door dickings and visits, Lyle does little isometric neck stretches for the tension. Is that, wait, is the CFDC, like, it put in parentheses caffeine-free Diet Coke, or did you just deduce I just I just reminded, because I feel like that, that was not um, yeah. top of mind. 
Between Gerhard Stitt's pipe and Avril Incandenza's Benson and Hedges and certain cheeks full of chewing tobacco, plus the maddening cooking smells of honey and chocolate and real high-lipid walnuts from the kitchen vents, plus over 150 very fit bodies, only some of which have been showered on this day off, the dining hall is warm and close and multi-odored. Mario as Otor opts for his late father's parodic device of mixing real and fake news summary cartridges, magazine articles, and historical headers from the last few great daily papers, all for a sort of time-lapse exposition of certain developments leading up to interdependence and subsidized time and cartographic reconfiguration and the renewal of a tight and considerably tidier experialist U.S. of A. under Gentle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ukraine, two more Baltic states apply for NATO inclusion. 16-point bold header. So then why a NATO editorial header? EEC sides with Pacific Rim, UPS tariffs in response to U.S. quotas. Header. Gentle on waste storage from dismantled NATO therms. Not in my nation, babe. 12-point <laughs> subheader. Uh, amid smiles and two-handed handshakes that belied the high tensions here, the leaders of 12 out of 15 NATO nations today sign an accord effectively dismantling the Western Bloc's 55-year-old defensive alliance. News summary cartridge voiceover. U.S.-Canadian support cuts doomed NATO summit from start, Icelandic poll declares. <laughs> header. So then why not a continental alliance now, maybe? Editorial header. Mexico signs on for Organization of North American Nations, Continental Alliance, but Quebec separatists rally against Finlandization of Onan Alliance, but gentle to Canada, unless Onan treaty sign, NAFTA null, Manitoban therm stay put, intracontinental pollution and waste disposal each nation's interest to pursue to the best they see fit. Header from veteran but methamphetamine-dependent headliner, finally demoted after repeated warnings about taking too much space. (laughs) Fed workers protest random fingernail hygiene screens. 12-point header. Gentle proposes nationalization of interlaced tell-ent header. Says government in line for piece of the action on video cartridge disc rentals. 8-point subheader. I guess I didn't realize that interlaced, the the streaming service, is uh, nationalized. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's like a PBS type thing? Yeah, it's like, what if Netflix was owned by the government? Hmm, that sounds like a good idea. Eh, yeah, especially with Netflix's quality. It's not like we're getting anything from a, you know independent innovation there. Yeah. Um, also, it's just funny thinking about this whole melange of developments, uh, given you know our last five, ten years of like Trump's anti-NATO mm-hmm. push. And then also the fucking uh, Fed workers push back against fingernail inspections in the week, the week of a mandatory vaccine among federal workers and stuff like that. He really, d- he tapped into the problems There's, that America was go- inevitably going yeah, to have. Again, like the shape is different, but I feel like, I feel like what he understands are the anxieties. The anxieties. And yeah, just the, he under, no, no wonder he killed himself. He understands what America is. Yeah. And to be, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll, if yeah, we if exactly. we all understood in this way, we would probably all do this. And same it's thing. also like, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm, I'm anti-vax or anything for comparing them to like mandatory fingernail expe- uh, um, inspections. But again, yes, it's not the same shape uh, of the thing. And I'm sure that Wallace himself would be like, "Yeah, do the vaccine mandate, whatever." But mm-hmm. to compare the anxiety yeah. beneath it to what anti-vaxxers imagine what they would feel the uh, privacy intrusion of a, pr- a mandatory fingernail ex- inspection right, you know right it's it's nailing the the anxiety yeah 
Burger King's Pillsbury awarded rights to New Year header. Pizza Hut's PepsiCo files bid rigging complaint with IRS. 12 point subheader. Calendar and pre printed check industries stocks soar. 8 point subheader. <laughs> Three blue jawed convicts in antiquated stripes dicky their cells lock and run, backed by sirens and searchlights' crisscrossed play. Not for the wall, but straight to the warden's empty nighttime office, where they sit wrapped before his old dual modem Macintosh slapping their knees and pointing to the monitor and elbowing each other in the ribs, nibbling at inexplicably appeared boxes of popcorn with a voiceover. Cartridges by modem. Just insert a blank diskette. Break free of the confinement of your channel selector. Some more of Ms. Heath's class's puppets in a B-film parody of the interlaced tele-entertainment ads that the cable network seemed to mysteriously, so mysteriously, suicidally to run all the time that last year of subsidized time. Onan packed pen. That last year of non-subsidized Not, time. Uh, unsubsidized time, sorry. Okay, great. Uh, Onan packed pen, 24-point superheader. Canada knuckles under. Tabloidish <laughs> New York Daily's 24-point superheader. Acid rain, la- landfills, barges, fusion tech, Manitoban therms were big sticks, Chrétien admits, 16-point he- header. So I think JCCC, his last name might be... Chrétien. Chrétien. Uh, read the beginning of that last one. Uh, acid rain, landfills, barges, fusion tech, Manitoban therms were big We sticks. didn't start the fire. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 An infinite jest, we didn't start the fire. Mm. Short-haired acid men. Acid rain, catapults, giant toddlers walk up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, short-haired men in shiny trucks are not dismantling Manitoban therms, but instead moving them just over border into Turtle Mountain Indian Reservation, horrified ND gov charges. 12-point subheader from demoted headliner already in Dutch down in the subheader department now, too. Exclusive color photos show brave docs futilely fighting time to remove railroad spike from Canadian Prime Minister's right eye. Jesus. Tabloidish New York Daily's 16-point header. President's office is a... Uh, anally retentive horror show, says this just-retired White House custodian. Tabloid header with photo of old guy with basically one eyebrow running all the way across his forehead, holding up a mammoth plastic barrel he claims held just one day's haul of dental stimulators, alcohol-soaked cotton puffs, GI X-ray-grade colonic purgative bottles, <laughs> epidermal ash, surgical masks and gloves, Q-tips, Kleenex, and homeopathic pruritus cream containers. U.S. OUS Chief Tyne charges of an Oval Office littered with Kleenex and floss a clear case of dirty tricks. Respectable daily header. Overloaded waste barges collide, capsize off Gloucester. Uh, Gloucester? Gloucester Gloucester. Uh, Boston daily header. Huge putrid slick empties beaches off both shores. Cape. Equally large subheader. Gentle speaks out on a U.S quote, constipatedly impacted on continental waste, unquote, at UNLV commencement header. He's doing a commencement speech at the uh, the Vegas uh, 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 University of like Nevada, yeah. Las Vegas. Yeah. Ad Council report. Boston's Viney and Veals agencies liposuction and tongue stick campaigns not to blame for ABC HQ bomb threats. <laughs> Advertising age header. The governors of Maine, Vermont, and New Hampshire today reacted strongly to President Gentle's establishment of a blue-ribbon panel of waste experts to investigate the feasibility of mass landfill and conversion sites in northern New England. 
respectable giving, New York Daily's lead graph. So giving time frame, that would probably be Howard Dean. Uh, yeah, I suppose that would be Howard Dean. Uh, we are not this continent's sigmoid colon, <laughs> gentle Warren's <laughs> own in joint session, header. Bethesda, Mar- uh, uh, wait, MD's Maryland, right? Yeah. B- Bethesda, Maryland's uh, stricken president confined for hygienic stress following incoherent Onan address, header. Holography makes ultra-toxic fusion gambit safe for workers community, DOE rep- assures methuen PTA, Boston header, or B- Boston Daily header. Hmm. Gentle out of Bethesda Naval Hospital confinement to address U.S. Congress on reconfigurative options for tight, tidier national era header. Even the idea of the president going to the hospital is something that uh, we have had to deal with in recent years. Yes. Right? I guess. Did Trump ever go to the hospital? He went to Walter Reed. Yeah, he went to the Walter Reed as a as a patient Wait, yeah, that, that, no, that, 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 this is Johnny gentle going to uh, going bats and uh, going to the mental hospital oh, going okay. to the loony bin briefly okay all of these twirling journalistically out from a black acetate one of O Stice's old feel a warm-up tops background in vintagely elusive old black and white film style with a sonic background of that sad sappy Italian it stuff Scorsese had loved for his own montages with the headlines lap dissolving into transverse angled shots of a modest green mask gentle accepting tight-lipped handshakes from Mexican and Canadian officials in an agreement to make the U.S. president the first chair of the Organization of North American Nations with Mexican Presidente, a new heavily guarded Canadian PM to be co-vice chairs. Gentle's first state of the Onan address, delivered before a triple-sized Congress on the very last day of B.S. solar time, holds out the promise of a whole bright spanking new millennium of sacrifices and rewards and interdependence, not impossibly radically altered new look continent wide. I get the, I get why it's a railroad spike into his eye because of the railroad jumping thing. Yeah. 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 yeah of um, course. Do, do not underestimate objects. Lyle says he finds it impossible to overstress this. Do not underestimate objects. Partridge, Kansas's serve and volley prodigy, Ortho the Darkness Stice, 16A's very top man, whose sauna fresh torso gleams the same color as the moonlight off the idol Waits's metal, is being driven right to the edge by the fact that he goes to sleep with his bed against one wall and then but wakes up with his bed against a whole nother wall. <laughs> Stice had already had a whole series of beefs with roommate Kyle D. Coyle because he figured clearly Coyle was moving Stice's bed around in Stice's sleep. But then Coyle got put in the infirmary with the suspicious discharge, and he's been out of the room for the last two nights, Coyle, and here Stice is still waking up with his bed against a different wall. So then he thought, like, Axford or Struck was dickying his door with a meal card and sneaking in really late and messing with Stice's bed out of obscure motives. So but last night, Stice jammed a chair up against his door and piled empty tennis ball cans on the chair to make a racket if there was any dickying and lined up still more cans on the sills of all three windows just to cover all bases. And was that just construction from outside? Yeah, I think somebody's hammering something okay. in the backyard. Uh, and but so the reason he's here is this a.m. He wakes up with his bed moved over against the chair by the door at he and an angle he didn't care for one bit. <laughs> and with all the ball cans arranged in a neat pyramid in the dusty rectangle where his bed was normally supposed to be. Orthostice can think of only three possible explanations for what's going on. And he presents them all to an attentive cheek sucking Lyle in an ascending order of grimness. One is that Stice is telekinetic, but only in his sleep. 
Two is that somebody else at ETA is telekinetic and has it in for Stice and wants to drive him batsoid for some reason. Three is that Stice is like getting up in his sleep and rearranging the room without knowing it or remembering it, which means he's a severe fucking somnambulist, which means Lord only knows what else he could get up and wander around and do in his sleep. He's got promise, the staff say. He's got quite a legit shot at the show when he graduates, which he does not want to mess up with any sort of telekinetic or somnambulistical <laughs> shenanigans. Stice offers up the planes of his torso and forehead. He wears one of his own personal towels, a black one. He is slim but wiry and beautifully muscled and sweats freely and well. He says he knows too well he neglected Lyle's advice about the pull-down station two years back and regrets it. He wholeheartedly apologizes for the time last spring he got struck in Axford to distract Lyle and then crazy glued Lyle's left buttocks spandex to the wooden top of the towel dispenser. I think we understand who the, the who butt got I, Mary Esther's thought. Yeah, the butt the butt the uh, butt, super the butt burglar. The butt bandit. Uh, Stice says he realizes he's the last guy with any right to come to Lyle cap in hand after all the cracks about the diet and hairstyle and all. But here he is, cap in hand, or rather calotte in hand, offering up his sonnet planes, asking for Lyle's input. Lyle waves bygones away like a gnat you barely look at. He is completely engaged. The lightning now far off out over the Atlantic treats him like a weak strobe. Do not underestimate objects, he advises Stice. Do not leave objects out of account. The world, after all, which is radically old, is made up mostly of objects. Lyle leans in, waves Stice up even closer, and consents to tell Stice the story of this one man he once knew of. This man earned his living by going to various public sites where, public, where people congregated and were bored and impatient and cynical. He'd go in and bet people that he could stand on any chair in the place and then lift that chair up off the ground while standing on it. A bootstrap-type scenario. His MO is he climbs up on a chair and stands there and says publicly, Hey, I can lift this chair I stand on. A bystander holds the bets. The idle bus depot or DMV waiting area or hospital lobby crowd is dumbstruck. They gaze up at a man who is standing 100% on top of a chair he has grabbed the back of and raised several meters off the ground. There is vigorous speculation about how the trick's done, which gives rise to side bet action. A devoutly religious experimental oncologist dying of his own inoperable colorectal neoplastis moans, Why, oh why, Lord, do you give this man this idiotic picayune power and I no power over my own ravening colorectal cells? There are numerous silent variations on this sort of meditation in the crowd. The bet won, the money finally forked over and handed up to him, the man Lyle says he once knew of now jumps back down to the floor, incidental change spraying from his pockets on impact, straightens his tie, and walks off, leaving behind a dumbfounded crowd still staring up at an object he had not underestimated. What do you think? A little a little more? I think that's good. We're at is like 40, good? and, the, okay, and then that's, that's the end of a, yeah. a chapter or a, a well, chunk. Well, this whole section is quite long. Well, it's, at it's the, the end, end of a chunk. Of a chunk. Like, I see that there are several paragraph breaks. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, there's a uh, this a uh, whole uh, um, Lyle uh, gentle Lyle gentle movie thing uh, tw takes quite a bit of real estate. Sure. Uh, well, it's another info dump about you know the nature of the the society, and the nature of the Onan, the nature of the Onan. I guess I'm just mostly trying to rotate in my head. Uh, you know, the exact reason for cutting between gentle and Lyle. Yeah. Like what are we what we're supposed to take away from Do you have any thoughts? Um I think that they are both uh figures on which uh their audiences uh 
on load psychic uh, uh, damage or mm-hmm. issues, uh, which is, uh, you know, what in our modern time, I would say, especially like post 1980, mm-hmm. uh, having do it, doing this president show is one of the main things that a president is, is like uh, a, a, a repository of, of like s- s- national neuroses, mm. someone who can, um, represent and, and sublimate or become onto themselves the cure for a host of national neuroses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seems like that is a, a something that Lyle is also, um, that is both something that Gentle does, though it does seem that he is also intensely neurotic himself. Yeah. Although sometimes that is what you need. See, see as this also Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, obviously there's something weird going on with <laughs> something out of the order uh, normal going on with Lyle and his uh, sweat <laughs> consumption thing. <laughs> <laughs> but also, sometimes you just need somebody to sit there and listen and say, hmm, the world is very old. We yeah. must not underestimate objects. The li- the listening is the point. Yeah, the pr- so a guy to project on or to e- either project on or actually, you know, mm-hmm. put, your, put your shit on. Yeah. Him. Oh, man. Th- there's so much in this of the, like, athletics at the most embarrassing time of your life which yes. is adolescence yes when just like your body is so embarrassing mm-hmm. oh it's so exhausting and then you have to be like hyper out there and then you have to be like social and and mm-hmm. uh and like the I, I, this was like many pages ago now but just like the idea when they were talking to the big buddies the idea of like rankings where on one hand like adolescence is so mushy and you don't ever know quite what the fuck is going on but then on the other hand you know exactly how much better you are at tennis than yes. everyone or around you yeah just getting like a number value of your your ranking and like i mean that is one of the th- the things that is continually embarrassing in um in all sorts of schools is that you do kind of have even no matter how much or how little you care about academics or whatever this continual ranking of um of yourself against others, this this theoretically objective uh, way to uh, to understand your position vis a vis your peers, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. What do you make of the the Lyle uh, uh, gentle intercut? Yeah, I, I I think that's accurate. Yeah, I think it's also just um, it's it's bringing the same the, you know in the same way the the infinite gist is always very very short. Yeah, of what is the infinite seg- gist? Uh, the ETAs watch the ETAs watch Mario and Condenza's uh, amateur film about the history of Onan, while uh, the more neurotic ones slip to the basement to get advice from Lyle. What is this mirror? Every basically every other kind of action in the book, you are either sitting cap like captive audience watching something mm-hmm. one sided, or you are trying to connect with someone mm-hmm. by uh, listening and speaking. Yes, that's AA. That's the entertainment. Mm-hmm. That's uh, you know, he steeply uh, and um, you steeply and what call it? Yeah, uh, it's it's all either entertainment or like connection through like trying to yes get get shit off your chest mm-hmm. D- don gately on dream duty versus everyone in Ennett house when the first time we meet everyone they are all watching tv yeah ah! almost those are only those are the only two things that everyone does in their entire life yeah watch tv and talk with each other yeah there's almost no action in this book which and is then te- tennis is kind of like a weird t- t- tennis i would argue is maybe the third thing yeah because you're entertaining other people but it's this like weird, stressful, competitive thing for yes. yourself. Um, 
Yeah, the one there's been like precisely one moment of action in this that hasn't been tennis, and that's Gately uh, robbing that place. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, or you know, but is that is that not that's that's Gately wa- robbing for the purpose of his entertainment, which is just taking a bunch of uh, opiates. Yes. Um, yeah, Same I, with jo- I Joel overdosing. Yeah, uh, um, I do like. I really would like to see this the Mario's film. I would love to see Mario's film. That uh, that would be a good a good thing for someone to try to recreate. Yeah, just just Mario's film. And it's all made for puppets. It reminds me of um god, what is that that movie the um the Karen Carpenter story that's made entirely out of Barbies? I don't know this. What? You don't know that? No. That's like, like a cult and classic. And I love I love Karen Carpenter. Superstar the Karen Carpenter story? No, I had I had no idea. It's like a cult classic film that's that is made entirely using Barbie dolls. <gasps> You, you didn't know about this? No. Okay. Well, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to watch it. It was it was non-viewable for many years. It was like something that only existed in like a few prints, and that you uh, just like kind of had to know. Wow. Um, I wonder if this. Do you think that this had anything to do with that? I I have to imagine that that is something that uh, Wallace was familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's also not directly that. It is just a puppet show. Uh, I I do really hope. I I mean, I hope we get a sense of this. It, the extent to which is Mario an auteur to his own right, or is he just like a so bad it's good uh, uh, film film bumbler? That is, is it because he? Oh God! Okay, I, you can tell me if this is an inappropriate connection yeah. to make, but we just watched Midsommar last Midsommar. night, and spoil spoilers, spoils not really spoiler alerts, but the the commune in Sweden gets their spiritual text from carefully inbred. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, children yes. who draw and they interpret the drawings and the, the children are unclouded by um, the same perceptions that yes. the uh, intellectually completely capable people have. Yes. And so the, the, the idea is that they are communing, these disabled kids are communing in some way with a spirit realm that yes. they then interpret. Uh, and that's obviously a very disturbing, the idea of, of force, forcefully inbreeding people and creating children who suffer. Yes. Uh, that's obviously very horrifying. Is there a connection between that and the way that Mario is treated in this, where that he is an auteur who has learned all the technical stuff from his father, but he is maybe he is he unclouded is he by unclouded? irony because he's simply incapable the, unclouded by irony or neuroses so like, he so he, he just is, is given like the talent of his father but none of the uh the yeah neuroses none of that, that his, none of the angst yeah. is is he is his father cursed with an intellect and also a, a propensity for addiction that he got from his own father it, he what he can't do maybe mario can well i mean it's interesting because i would say that the neuroses are usually the thing that make uh artists good at their job um but you know, maybe somebody who is uh, att- intensely neurotic and addicted would would see for themselves that that you know the removal of that would be uh, something that one would would strive for. And uh, creating in, in in Mario, it can be created a being of pure technical skill, <laughs> a pure a pure technical skill and pure just like you know. I don't know, pure feeling, just, you know, sincerity, I guess, Mm -hmm. would be the question there. It's funny you say neuroses uh, have the potential to make people artists. I was just reading something from um, our Indie Heads podcast uh, 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 associate, uh, DJ Horse Jeans. Okay, shout uh, out DJ Horse Jeans. uh, Who I love, who she wrote about Cat Powers, Mm -hmm. uh, I believe, debut... uh, 
like real album. What would the community think? Cat Power uh, is an extremely long suffering uh, bundle of neuroses. Yes. And uh, didn't she used to perform not facing the stage, or am I thinking of somebody else? That's her. She she would turn away from the audience. She would have panic attacks on that's, stage. She would stop playing. Very infinite gesture. She would put her like hair in front of her face. She should have attempted. She should have put a veil on. Oh my goodness! Ooh, we're getting real, real intertextual now. But um, uh, uh, Jackie DJ Horst Jeans quoted uh, Jeff Tweedy from Wilco, basically saying that the idea that suffering is what makes you an artist. I know suffering and and neuroses are not quite the same thing, but but one one wor- th- work with me. Yeah, suffering uh, to, to quote the fix. One thing leads to another. Yeah, uh, that suffering is what makes you an artist or that what what plagues you makes you an artist he's like i don't necessarily agree with that i think of my ability to make art and my creativity as the thing that i make uh, like i i live uh, every, that's the that is the thing that is good and i'm making it in spite of all of my neuroses that you don't have to be tortured yeah. that in fact you would hopefully seek out to not be tortured because why why, why do you want to suffer? Oh, like suffering is bad, right? Yeah. <laughs> why choose to suffer? I don't know. Uh, I, I do think that there is an element to great art that does, um, that does accompany one's ability to be kind of orthogonal mm. to, I don't know, mainstream or, or current thought or, mm-hmm. you know, be at, to have, to have in yourself a distance from, um, from yeah i don't know the mainstream to to be able to have like some kind of commentary or or mm-hmm. perspective mm-hmm. yes perspective yeah uh on on things um and that that does not necessarily imply suffering or require suffering but uh you know sometimes it produces it yes yes i don't know it's hard it's, it's hard, hard to be a, a person uh but in the end uh I, M- mario should be um should be nurtured the oh, of course get, I mean Ma- Mario get, is like get, the question get a grant, government grant for Mario Mar- Mario is answering the question what if an artist were essentially uh, like well adjusted yes which is something that David Foster Wallace is always thinking about mm-hmm. as like the well adjusted person yeah because he's I mean his his little intro is uh, it it is a very wholesome like the whole picture of the the cafeteria while this thing is going on it does is very sweet and wholesome to me which I appreciate especially yeah. after these several harrowing yeah. long harrowing segments uh you know everybody like partially invested in it people who have know this tradition they're kind of making fun of it but kind of also sincerely like look forward to seeing it yeah it's chuggy uh, his uh <laughs> his little introduction of thanks guys i hope you like thanks, it thanks guys i hope you like it yeah he like, he doesn't he doesn't yeah. hate applause he doesn't he's like total equanimity which is yeah. something that i'm always personally striving for and, yes. and rarely reach same thing with lyle to all of these people having anxiety for things that they're going to have to worry about in the future. Yeah. Kent Blot being like, uh, I'm really scared of what freaky porn I might like when I one day masturbate. Yeah. What's the answer? Don't pull the weight. D- don't pull yourself up to the weight. Wait till you can pull the weight down yeah. to you. Just wait. Just chill. It's uh, going to be fine. Yeah. I mean, but it does like, it is funny. And I'm sure that this is the point that the, that the one person who is, who does seem like to be pure and, um, adjusted mm-hmm. in the book then has is compensated with uh grotesque physical deformities yeah and and yeah physical uh uh like in incapabilities yeah weakness that he's working around he's yeah. got that police lock he's got the head mounted camera yeah no no one's stopping mario yeah absolutely oh, I, lo- I love him I've I've had increased like uh empathy and sensitivity toward mario with this reread yeah well i mean i think you know 
I, I, I mean, I think that this is maybe too uh, uh, contrarian, but you mm-hmm. know, in the end, I am imagining that there is a way to look through this that Mario is is what you know basically one of like the hero mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah, I mean, Hal is I I would say the closest to the central viewpoint, but it's almost just because he is the one who is the most pivoted in the narrative center of yes. the of the book He's that he is the hinge around which so many of the other things yeah. go but he, yeah as we've discussed he's a hero of an action he doesn't really do anything mario yeah. is at least out there doing stuff yeah yes he's he's contributing to the culture yes he's contributing to the culture <laughs> It's it's always good to make a thing. It's, it's, be, also, it's better than to not make a thing. Yeah, and then he's also, in as much as history flows in this book, uh, allowing history to flow through him by you know taking the legacy of his father and, and uh, expanding and refining and refining it by removing some of the trauma yeah. associated with his father's work while continuing the main co- contribution, yes. which is the work itself. Yes. Oh, we love him. Yeah. The the tennis player that's on the on a silent on the screen right now is wearing this delicious looking raspberry outfit. The the, the colors are very good, and then that that I don't know what color you would call that blue. It's not quite sky or royal, but it's it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Colors. It's not it's not cerulean. Cerulean is, is pretty it, good. It's a clo- it may be close to cerulean. Uh, we'll end here that Mar <laughs> with entering our second year of the podcast. Uh, Molly would like to uh, the secret something into existence, which is uh, that this podcast being tennis adjacent we are basically watching u.s open clips every time we record um next year's u.s open we would like to be invited as influencers to uh attend the u.s open we don't need anything fancy but i would like free tickets a decent seat and a couple of free drinks and some free food uh and And some evian and we will instagram it we will try to uh, covertly record a podcast from the u.s open uh we'll talk about how tennis rocks to our uh hundreds of podcast listeners um we will get one of their uh we will instagram one of their um fancy uh gray goose vodka drinks with the three green melon ball yeah. ice cubes on top to that look like little tennis balls yeah um we will I, I don't even need the good seats you can put us in the very very no, very, very that, back that's true yeah it's, it's actually probably preferable because we're probably going to be like whispering podcast there's also multiple courts, and we don't even have to be on a good court with good players. We could be on an early seated. Just give us a reason to go to the tennis facility out in Queens. And then I have I have one last request, which is a car service there and back. That because, would be Because uh, I, I actually have been to the U.S. Open once when I was working at Snapchat to cover it. And it's quite out of the way, and it's really it's kind of hard to get um, get in and out of it because it's all sports administrationed up <laughs> with flashing lights and escorts everywhere. So a car service would be nice. Okay, great. I'm spe- that that's all I want, and and maybe one of those big tennis balls as a souvenir. Yes. I'll buy. I'll buy that. I don't even need it. I will buy it <laughs> if I'm there. I will buy it. You just can't buy those shits on the street. Anyway, that I'm speaking that into existence. I think I think we're making content about uh, tennis, and we live in New York. They don't even have to fly us. Like, come on, yeah, bring us to the U.S. Open. Yeah, I would love to see that this guy's v- Vavrinka's uh, gorgeous uh, raspberry toned uh, suit. In person, uh, I would like to see the Djokovic. <laughs> you would like to become the Djokovic. I'm going to become the Djokovic. Yeah. All right. That's probably enough for this week. Yes. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye.